you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Bible reading today is from Ezra 5, 1 to 5, and also Ezra 6, 1 to 12. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jezedek, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethab, Bazenai and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build the house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, What are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. Then Darius the king made a decree, and the search was made in Babylonia in the house of the archives where the documents were stored. And in Ecbatana, the citadel that is in the province of Medea, a scroll was found on which was written a record. In the first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem, let the house rebuilt the place where the sacrifices were offered, and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be 60 cubits and its breadth 60 cubits, with three layers of great stones and one layer of timber. Let the cost be paid from the royal treasury, and also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place." You should put them in the house of God. Now, therefore, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, um, Shethar, Bazenai, and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away. Let the work of this on this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the province from beyond the river. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams or sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine or oil as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I make decree that if anyone alters this edict, a beam shall be pulled out of his house and she, he shall be impaled on it, and his house shall be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put a hand to alter this or destroy this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it be done with all diligence. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dave, and um, it's great to be here. 
I'm on staff at City on a Hill. I work uh, as a communications director across the movement. I've been part of City on a Hill since uh, 2010. Uh, we originally were in Melbourne, but we moved a couple of years ago to City on a Hill in Geelong. Uh, so we're the true uh, West down there. So it's good to be here. Um, and it really is a joy uh, to be to be able to serve here today. I'm one of the pastors uh, in Geelong. Um, I serve there as a lay pastor, and it's great to be opening uh, God's Word with you today. Well, earlier this year, my wife and I, we bought our first home. And uh, we had this two-week kind of overlap where we decided that we were going to paint the whole house. And then when I mean the whole house, I mean the whole house. We're talking about the walls, we're talking about the trim, we're talking about the doors, the whole thing. And uh, I'm an optimist, and uh, I had every intention of finishing the work. We pushed through. We spent 16-plus-hour days just painting the house, juggling, looking after the kids and work and painting, and we got so close. For the first month, we didn't have any doors on any of the rooms, (laughs) and we had two rooms left to paint, two rooms. A couple of months later, skip forward to today, we still have two rooms left to paint. (laughs) You see, other projects have just taken priority. They've just gotten in the way. Who else can resonate with this? Yeah, I'm sure there's people who have similar projects around the home. It doesn't matter whether you're renting or whether you own your own home. People just seem to have their never-ending list of projects to get done. And it can be overwhelming. Well, today we're going to continue our series uh, in the book of Ezra, uh, and we're going to pick up from where we left a few weeks ago. Uh, Ezra, so far, uh, God's people, they've returned to Jerusalem. They've laid the foundation of God's house, and they've brought about much rejoicing, but for some it brought much mourning as they remembered the former glorious temple of King Solomon. And as we got to chapter 4, God's people start to face some opposition. And they face this opposition, and we hear the devastating report that the rebuild project comes to a halt. Well, this week, the work resumes, and that's what we're going to look at together. The rebuilding of God's house, and as we explore this passage I want you to grapple with with this question. Are you part of God's building project? Are you building God's church? Well, to help us explore this uh, question, we're going to look at three things from the text today. God's priorities, God's promises, and your part to play. But before we do... Uh, Let me pray. Please join with me. Father, you are good and holy. We ask that in this moment, Lord, that you would remind us of your goodness. Lord, as we open your word and, and see what you had to say to Ezra and the Israelites, Lord, that these words would ring true for us today, that we would be reminded of your priorities, be reminded of your promises, Lord, and, Lord, that you would motivate us to build your church. 
We pray this for our good and for your glory. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, it'd be great to open to Ezra chapter 5. I know it's on the back of the, the sheet as well. And we're going to look at, firstly, God's priorities. Uh, read with me in verse 1. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. We're just going to stop there. Uh, Ezra introduces us to two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And what do they say? Well, Ezra doesn't actually tell us here, but thankfully in the book of Haggai uh, and Zechariah, they do. So if you have your Bibles, flick ahead to to Haggai towards the end of the Old Testament. We're going to camp in that text a little bit as well. And Haggai, he writes in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month. Skip ahead to verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The year here is 520 BC, 16 years after they've laid the foundation of God's house and that the work has ceased. 16 years. That's a long time. If you think about 16 years in your own life, I think about the past 16 years for me. What have I accomplished? I've, I've finished my study. I got married. We, uh, I started a business, we moved to Melbourne, I quit my business, I started studying again, I went to Bible college, I started working for a church, we had a baby, we had two more, we moved to Geelong, we bought a house, and hopefully it's not going to take another 16 years to, to finish painting that house, it might, we'll see, <laughs> but here in Ezra, After 16 years of silence, God speaks. He speaks. And what does he say? His first word to them is a rebuke. He says, these people, they say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. He says, these people... Not my people, but these people. They say it's not yet time to rebuild the house of the Lord. You're kidding me. Right? This is the very reason that they came back from exile, right? To rebuild the house of the Lord. So why not? What have they been doing this whole time? Well, Haggai tells us in verse 4, he says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while the house lies in ruins. The Lord rebukes them because for 16 years, while God's house has been lying in ruins, they've been building and renovating their own homes. Well, a few weeks back, one of my projects around the home was to fix the back uh, sliding door of our house. And uh, I took it off its hinges and uh, I discovered that we need to replace a whole bunch of things. So I went off to Bunnings 
thinking, you know, this is only going to be a half-hour job. I went to Bunnings, and I got some new wheels and some tracks and things like that. I mounted it all on the door, and I hung it back up on the hinges, and guess what? It was still broken. (laughs) It didn't work. The door didn't shut properly. You know, I spent half a day trying to fix the door, which was a half-hour job. This distracted me from other more important jobs in the house or other priorities like spending time with my wife and my kids. My priorities were all wrong. And that's what God is saying here to the Israelites, that your priorities are all wrong. You see, God's house is literally a concrete slab. While you are renovating your own homes, putting up nice timber paneling, making it look all pretty. Stop building your homes and start building my house. Well, it's important that we stop here for a second and ask the question, what actually is God's house? I thought God didn't need a house. God's everywhere. You can't contain God So what is God's house? Well, the Bible tells us that God's house is the temple. And the temple is the means by which a holy God can dwell amongst unholy people. It's a way for him to meet with his people, for his presence to be among his people, for them to gain access to God. And in the most holy place in the temple is where the high priest could go. And he could only go there once a year to offer uh, sacrifices to atone for the sins of God's people. Well, no surprise, but today God's house is no longer a, a temple made of bricks and mortar. In fact, the Gospels, they tell us that Jesus' body is the temple. And Jesus says that that he would uh, destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And that's what he does. And those who, who are in Jesus, who believe in Jesus and follow him, in other words, the church, God's people, they are now God's temple. The apostle uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians writes, Do you not know that you, the church, are God's temple, and God's spirit dwells in you. If you are a Christian here today, know that you are God's temple. God's spirit dwells within you. Because of Jesus, you can encounter God. You can gain access to God. You can have a relationship with God. Know this truth. And and if you're not yet a Christian here today, let me encourage you to consider this and to know that the only way for you to meet Jesus, for you to meet God and to encounter his, his presence is through faith in Jesus, through his death and through his resurrection, what he has done on the cross. You can gain access to God. You can have a relationship with him. 
You see, the, the church, in moments like this on a Sunday and other gatherings that we have throughout the week, is a special and, and a unique thing. Because this is where God has rebuilt his temple. This is where you can encounter God and his spirit. And I think some of us might need to hear the words from Haggai here, the rebuke from God to stop building our own houses and to build God's church. So let me ask you, where does your priority lie? Where is your priority? Are you building the Lord's house, God's kingdom, God's church? Or are you building your own house? Are your priorities in line with God's priorities? Are you seeking fellowship with God's people? Are you seeking to to use your gifts to build and strengthen the church? Are you growing deeper in your love and, and your knowledge of God through word and prayer? Or are you prioritizing your own house, your own, your own desires, your own ple- pleasures, your own self? You know, the great Australian dream of, of building your own home, starting a family, having a good career. We need to listen to, to God's word here and his rebuke and rebuild our relationship with God. This leads to my second point, God's promises. Well, last month we, uh, we caught up with the Nelsons actually for lunch and uh, we went around to their house and we had had a good time hanging out with them. We, we shared uh, some good food and good conversation and uh, while the parents were talking, the kids were off playing video games and uh, my kids, <laughs> Levi's smiling, my kids, uh, they don't play video games all that often um, but they were hooked. And uh, my son, Levi, he's six years old. He was playing the video games uh, with Jude and, and, and the boys. And uh, as he was playing, he was really getting into it, having an awesome time. And he was looking at the screen, uh, thinking that he was dominating everyone, w- winning the game, when it was actually Jude's screen that he was looking at the whole time. Um, and my daughter, uh, who's three years old, Freya, uh, she she was playing as well. She was holding a controller the whole time and she was just getting into it, just cheering and shouting out stuff and thinking she was just having a great time when her controller wasn't actually on and uh, she wasn't playing. <laughs> they loved it. They had loads of fun. Well, on the way home, <clears throat> uh, my kids, uh, they asked me in the car if we could play video games when we got home. And uh I said to them, uh, sure, why not? Well, you know what? I promise that tomorrow uh, we can play video games together. Uh, so the next morning came and 6 a.m., Levi comes rushing in. Dad, Dad, can we please play video games? <laughs> I was a bit grumpy at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Uh, but, you know, later that morning I said, right, I, I promised it. We're going to play video games. So we pulled out my old uh, Nintendo 64. I don't know if anyone's got one of those, but classic. Uh, and uh, we played Tony Hawk skateboarding and um, car racing um, and uh, World Cup 98. Uh, and we had loads of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I made a promise to my kids to play video games. So that's what we did. And, and if I didn't keep that promise, boy, you know, I wouldn't hear the end of it. We make promises like this all the time. 
And while my promise might seem somewhat trivial, uh, God here in Ezra has has a more significant promise. Let me show you why. Let's go back to Ezra uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Well, the people, they rise up. They begin to build the temple. And the prophets are with them, supporting them. In Haggai, he actually tells us that it's not just the prophets who are with them, but God himself is with them. God is with them. He's stirring up their spirits and motivating them to get on with the rebuilding projects. You know, how often do we we forget God's promises? Sometimes we need him to remind us of his promises, just like my kids at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning reminding me to play video games. We need God to intervene and to remind us of his promises. And his promise here is to be with you. He promises to be with you. It sounds familiar, right? Earlier this year, we, we talked, uh, we did a series on the Great Commission. And in that series, Jesus, uh, in the book of uh, Matthew, Jesus commands his church to go and make disciples, teaching, baptizing, and he ends with this promise that he will be with you. Always, to the very end of the age. This promise should fill us with great courage and great confidence. It should stir our hearts and motivate us to get on with God's building project because God is with you every step of the way. He's inspiring you, encouraging you, uh, supporting you. So let's get to work. God is with you. But it's not always going to be easy. And we see this in the next verses, in verse 2 and 3, that the Israelites, they start to face some resistance. At the same time, Tataniah, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar, Bozani, and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, Who are the names of the men who are building this building? We meet two characters here, Tetanai, the governor of the region, and Shethar, Bozani, and their associates. And what follows is this report. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, we, won't, we won't read this, but um, in the rest of chapter 5, what follows is a report that they put together to give to the king. They see these huge stones, these timber structures that they're building, and they think, surely this is not a house. This looks a bit more like a fortress. And then they begin to question the the Israelites. They probably feel a little bit threatened or fearful of them. And they ask them, who ordered you to build this house? Come on, tell us. What are their names? 
well, Zerubbabel and his mates, they graciously answer their questions and they say, we're God's servants. We were exiled from this land, but by decree of King Cyrus, we're back here rebuilding God's temple. And they request that the king go and search the records to see if what he's saying is true. The tension is building. How is the king going to respond? Before we look at that, what do they do while they wait? Verse 5. But the eye of their God, the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius and then an answer to be returned by letter concerning it. What do they do? They kept building. They did not stop. Why? Well, think back to that promise that God is with you. And even more than that, God promises to watch over them. The eye of their God was over them. He was protecting them. And we see God's protection in the way that the king responds. I'll just summarize it for you. We heard it in the Bible reading. After receiving the report, the king goes and he scours all the records and he finds this record from King Cyrus. And the record is exactly what the Jews said it would be. They were telling the truth. So the king says, I'm going to make another decree. And he says, Tatanai, mate, Tatanai, let them build God's house. Give them the money that they need and supplies and everything that they need to do it. And just take it from the taxes from the region. You can pay for it from the taxes. And if anyone intervenes, you're going to destroy their house and impale them on their house. And their house will be a dung hole, a dung hill, literally a pile of poo, a rubbish heap. I love how God's providence is at work here. It's somewhat comical. God is intricately, intricately working behind the scenes using a pagan king to bring about his plans and purposes, to not only permit the rebuild, but to fund it and to prevent any opposition against it. Well, yesterday we, we had an election and uh, I think we have a new Prime Minister uh, here. And I'm sure if uh, your letterbox was anything like mine this week, you received all this hate mail. Uh, this hate mail that was saying who you should not vote for as the next Prime Minister. And uh, could you imagine, though, for a second, if the government put forward a policy, a policy like King Darius, a policy that would endorse the funding of new churches, planting new churches, and it would punish anyone who would oppose that policy. It seems a bit ridiculous, right? It seems impossible to think something like that could happen, but you see, God is using leaders to bring about his plans and purposes. I'm not going to lie, the last couple of years have been hard for Christians, and no doubt the next couple of years will be as well. But from these verses, God wants you to know 
That no government, no leader can stop the rebuilding of God's church. His plans cannot be thwarted. God is sovereign. Not one of his promises have ever failed. And that's what we read in verse 14 to 15, that God's people, they finished the rebuilding by decree of God and Cyrus and uh, Darius and Artaxerxes. And verse 15, this house was finished. This house was finished in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. The Israelites, they finish the rebuild. God's temple is completed. Now, it's easy to skim over these verses, um, but there is something that Ezra wants to highlight here. The date. The date that he's referring to is 516 BC. It's been four years since they resumed work on the temple. And do you know what's significant about this year? It's exactly 70 years, 70 years since Jeremiah's prophecy that we heard about in chapter 1, 70 years for for God's people since they were exiled, 70 years since God's temple was destroyed. 70 years for God's people to return to build this new temple and to complete it just as he had promised. God keeps his promises. He's promised to be with you. He's promised to watch over you. And he will do whatever it takes to rebuild his church. No government or leader or policy or opposition will get in his way. And he invites you to be part of this building project. So what part will you play? Well, this leads me to my final point, your part to play. You see, the story story today in Ezra, it doesn't end here. It closes with this, this great celebration full of joy. They dedicate the rebuilt temple and they rejoice and they offer sacrifices to God and significantly they they share a meal together, the Passover. Now the Passover was a, a moment for God's people to remember his redeeming work. To remember when he rescued his people from the hand of Pharaoh from slavery in Egypt. He rescued them so that he could dwell with them and so that they could worship him. And you know what? That's exactly what God wants for us today. You see, through Jesus... We too have been rescued from slavery. Rescued from slavery to sin, we have been redeemed so that we can dwell with God and so that we can worship Him. God's building project is not yet finished. It's not yet finished. And in the Gospels, Jesus promises His church that He will build uh, the church 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus invites us into his mission to rebuild his church and he wants you to be involved. So what part are you going to play? Maybe you need to check your heart and respond to to God's rebuke. to to stop building your own house and to build God's house. But maybe God is just pressing on you to to stop sitting in the pews and to get off your seat and get involved, to start serving. Because the, the reality is that in many churches today that there's just a handful of people who are doing all the work. The rest are just consuming. That's not the church. At least not the way the Bible describes it. In the New Testament, uh, the apostles, they say that every Christian receives a spiritual gift. And these gifts are used to build up the church, to build up God's house, to edify one another, to strengthen each other, to serve each other. And uh, we can summarize these gifts really into two categories. There's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. Gifts that use your hands and gifts that use your mouth. So on the one hand, there's speaking gifts, like gifts of teaching or preaching or prophesying, or encouragement, or prayer. And and God says that you can use these gifts to strengthen the church. On the other hand, there's gifts of serving, such as hospitality, or administration, or or playing an instrument in the band, or, or being generous with your finances. And we can use these gifts to serve the church. You know, coming out of of COVID lockdowns and isolations, now is our time. Now is our moment to rebuild God's church. And I know here and across City on Hill, there's loads of opportunities and needs for people to serve. And here at Melbourne West, what is your part that you are going to play? Maybe you have a a gift of, of teaching. And you could use that gift at City Kids to serve our little ones, to to teach them the gospel. Or maybe you have a gift of encouragement. And you could use that gift as part of the welcome team to encourage people with your words and with your smile as they enter into the building. Maybe you have the gift of just serving of using your hands and there's so much that gets involved uh, that's needed to put a Sunday on. (laughs) And you could help as part of the logistics team and setting up and packing down and getting involved in that way. Practically, what are you going to do? How can you be involved? We want to see you use your gifts this year to be empowered to, to serve one another. So how will you use your gifts? Well, Sunday gatherings is just one way that you could serve. There's loads of other opportunities, loads of other opportunities as well. Well, as the pen comes up, let me conclude with a story. Uh, Earlier this year, 
I was working in the office in, in Geelong, and uh, as I was work, uh, working, there was a knock at the door. And uh, this, this man, he came to the office seeking uh, to meet with a pastor and to pray with someone. And um, normally in situations like that, I, I dread that kind of thing. I'm too busy. I've got work to get done. I can't meet with this guy. Can't, can't someone else meet with him? Why, why me? There's other people in the office. Well, I felt a stirring in my heart. God's spirit at work, just like God stirred in the heart of Zerubbabel. And plus, I was the only pastor in that day, so I kind of felt convicted that I had to go and meet with this guy. But I met with him, and uh, as I met with him, he began to tell me just about how he used to, he was a drug addict and he had relapsed recently. And uh, he began to tell me about how his life has really just fallen apart since. He lost his job, he had no money, had nowhere to live, his relationships were broken, his partner, his family. And he saw a cross on the church across the street and he felt convicted to come across and to, to knock on the door and seek some, some prayer. So I met with him and I listened to this guy and as I listened to him um, and offered help, all he wanted was for me to pray for him. He, he'd sought help through some rehab clinics and he just wanted prayer. So I prayed for him, and after I prayed for him, um, I gifted him with a Bible, and I said, use this. I encourage you to read it. Continue to pray to God. Now, I have no idea where that guy is now. I haven't heard from him since. And I don't share that story at all to make much of me. Rather, I just want to encourage you that there's little moments like that that we all have throughout the week which are contributing to building God's church. You see, God's church is not just about a Sunday gathering and God's people and serving. God's church is about the whole week. It's about salvation. It's about making disciples. God's building project is not yet over. So what are you going to do? How will you build God's church? What do you need to do to reorganize your priorities? What do you need to do to, to deepen your trust in God's promises? What part will you play in rebuilding God's church? We need each other to do this, and we need God's help as well. So let's pray to our great God right now. Father, we thank you for your, your goodness and your holiness, and we thank you for your promises that you are with us, Lord, that you watch over us. We're sorry, Father, when we prioritize our own houses and our own uh, desires above you. And, Father, we pray that you would Help us to band together. Help us to, to strengthen your church, to build your church, to edify your church, and to make new disciples as well.
Lord, be at work in us, spirit stir in us and motivate us and encourage us to do this, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.